Oh my gosh. Another person at the door. Who could this be? Oh my. Pull one for King Shark. I just don't have time for this. I, I need to hurry up and. Uh, Will, this is weird. There's a there's a kid at the front door. Okay. What what is she doing? Uh, oh God. Will, do you know this woman? Oh, oh man. Whoa. I, I didn't want to ever hear this song again. Because <laughs> you love it, so you don't want to get sick of it. Yeah. Sure, we'll say that. Um, I'm moving the microphone away from her. She's she's getting louder. Yeah. Do you know who this is? I wish I did. Is this your kid? This is the point of no return for me in the movie, I think. Like, this is when it broke for me. Like, I was kind of with it before, and then I was just like, nope. This this was the point? Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to jump ahead. I mean, I'm going to shut the door. Uh, maybe you should leave if I just... We're going to talk about a movie called Vivo. Yeah, and Vivo. And funny enough, the yeah, that kid at the door just now looked a lot like the kid in the movie, Gabby. But that could just be me. Uh, so this movie is a musical film. It was directed by Leo Carax. Just kidding. <laughs> Leo Carax is Vivo. <laughs> Imagine. No, it's a musical, animated musical, uh, computer animated musical, I guess we should say. Mm-hmm. Um, that was made by Sony Pictures Animation. This is their third Netflix collaboration of the year. So they did Mitchells versus the Machines. Then they did mm-hmm. Wish Dragon. And now this, and I'd have to say Diminishing Returns. <laughs> I'd say Mitchells uh... versus the Machines. One of the best movies of the year for me. Wish Dragon, yikes. Vivo, wow. I think this is a little better than Wish Dragon. Really? Maybe. Maybe. Really? Okay, Maybe. all right. I'm interested. Um, now, I, I'll, I'll say I'll say this at the forefront. Thing that I appreciate about this movie, it takes place at least partly in the Caribbean. It's kind of cool to see Cuba sort of painted and like, I know sometimes Cuba is just painted in this like weird light, this like extremely ignorant, you know, American, you know, way. Like they don't understand what life is like in Cuba. Now I'm not from Cuba or anything. I'm from Puerto Rico, but like, I don't know. There's just this like whole mentality of like countries in the Caribbean and stuff and like the islands being like nothing but destitute and tragic and all this. Not these are bright, lovely, vibrant places. They're wonderful locations. Um, and when this movie starts, we get introduced to the main character of this film that's set in Cuba, and they have so many animals to pick from. You know, as like the lovable main character. So what do they do, Will Ashton? <laughs> they take a South American animal. And just be like, and then this animal showed up on the island one day, and that's your main character. Nothing to do with Cuba. I think it's like a South American honey bear, a kinkajou. Yeah. Which I, I didn't even know what that was before I saw this movie. Yeah. But yeah, it's named Vivo. And mm-hmm. I will say the movie starts, and we see this lovable little monkey-looking creature come up, and we have this nice old man playing a song. And you're and I'm thinking to myself, all right, I'm excited this this looks like a pleasant, nice movie. Yeah. It's 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 got music. It's it's got this Latin American culture to it. I could just sit down. I could have some tostones. I could I could have some cafe con leche. It's like in the heights, but you know, wait, did I just say in the heights, Will Ashton? Mm. That's right. 
all of a sudden Vivo starts rapping and he's Lin-Manuel Miranda and I hate everything. I hate what's going on. I hate that now I have to be sick of Lin-Manuel Miranda as a performer. This is the point that you got This sick is of? the point. Okay. It happened. Wait, what was See, the point I found him, well, I don't know, but I felt like he was much more tolerable in this than he was in, in The Heights. Where he's just like, does he hey. barely end in the Heights? Here but he's in he the felt, whole movie. It, but that was a movie where it felt like his ego was getting into it. I mean, I still don't know if that was him or Warner Brothers. It's like we have to devote 15 minutes of the movie to his character, and you know, taking away from other main characters' stories, the focus. 15 on, minutes is exaggerating. It's like two and yeah. a half, maybe three minutes. But if I had, to, I mean, in the Heights is a better film, unquestionably, than Vivo, but. If I had to spend more time with the character of Evo or the um, character that he played in in the, the Heights, the Piago uh, guy, yeah, I would I would pick Evo the, the rapping monkey. No way, Jose! <laughs> I would hang out with him. I would hang, have some like Pirago with the guy, some mame. Like, come on, this movie. He, this is my first big thing with this movie. It's terrible casting. It's like it's nothing wrong with Lim and Well Miranda necessarily. It's just the voice doesn't match. Which like is this weird. Little yellow kinkajou. It just doesn't match. So it's just like, well, why did you? Yeah. And then the rapping does not match anything in this movie, and it just yeah. sounds like the kids' Bob version, which is already kind of a kids' Bob version of Hamilton. It doesn't sound unique or distinct from stuff he's done before. So it's just so tired. I was so annoyed. Well, that's a weird thing for me. Is that like I. I mean, I'm presuming here, but like he came up with the pitch for this movie, right? Uh, or like the the broad pitch of the film. And it's like kind of fostering his idea. And I presume that the character of Eva was created with Lin-Manuel Miranda in mind. And yet it feels like Lin-Manuel Miranda wasn't designed for this character. Like he filled in for somebody else. And that's like the weird kind of contradiction of the film that I found just fa- frankly, just kind of perplexing. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering that, too, because the story behind this movie is that Lin-Manuel Miranda actually pitched like not the story of this movie, but kind of like the basic concept of the vibes, sure, (laughs) of doing this kind of movie. He did this like shortly after In the Heights took off on Broadway. Um, This was way before Hamilton. And uh, originally DreamWorks was going to make this. Uh, eventually, they they let Sony Pictures Animation acquire it. Oh, that way makes back in 2016. so much sense. This feels like Doesn't a DreamWorks it? movie. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. Uh, even even down to like the animation itself. Now, this movie it was kind of picked up, and the story was mostly done by Peter Barsaccini, but then also some of it was um, by Lin-Manuel Miranda's often collaborator and writing partner, Chiara Alegria Jurez, who did the screenplay, yeah. of course, for In the Heights. We talked mm-hmm. about her earlier this year. Uh, she did the script with Kirk D'Amico. Kirk D'Amico uh, directed the film. So this is the guy who he wrote and directed The Croods. Now, Will, I got to uh, tell co-directed. you, I've never seen The Croods. Um, uh, co-director, excuse me. Yeah, with Chris Sanders. Um, but he also did Space Chimps, which leads me to Space wonder. Space Chimps, horrible what? movie. Sure, but what what's the deal? Like, what's his deal with like apes and chimps? Like, he's done three movies well, now. Like, there's like sure. the, the slapping apes or whatever from the Croods, and then obviously space chimps is all, all chimps, mm-hmm. and then there's this movie about you know a little tiny rapid monkey. So it's just like, what's does he like really like like 
like monkeys? Like, is that what he devoted his career to doing? <laughs> is, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll say this much. Um, Kirk D'Amico was one of the co-writers, one of four, I think, for a film with no chimps in it, but a film that I really liked as a kid. I don't know if it holds up, but Quest for Camelot. You ever see Quest for Camelot? Oh, you better 19- believe I have. <laughs> I've heard it does not hold up, but I haven't seen it since my youth. Okay, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I remember a lot of that movie, like an embarrassing amount. Sure. Um, it was a, it was definitely on the VHS shelf for young John. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you too. So Kirk D'Amico, yeah, that was his first movie that he ever worked on. He was a co-writer. He's co-written a bunch of other stuff along his career. But Space Chimps, what you're saying, was his first film um, as director. Other than that, and, you know, The Croods, yeah, Vivo, you know, is is his next thing, right? And pretty different film uh, from what I can tell. Again, I haven't seen The Croods, but I know people like The Croods. So I'm kind of surprised that like this film is sort of like, I don't know, it it makes me wonder why people like The Croods as much as they do, if this is any indication, but I won't speak to that. The film also stars the voice talents of Brian Tyree Henry, Michael Rooker, Nicole Byer, Gloria Estefan, Zoe Saldana, and I and I, I got a shout out Ian Arlissima. We were kind of roasting her a little bit, just you know, not not maliciously or personally, but the beat of her own drum, that that whole thing. And then, um, oh Wanda yeah, I'm always talking. Gonzalez. I'm always talking about the song. I have nothing against the, yes. the child. The child is fine. I'm actually quite wonderful in this movie. And yes, right, a good voice performance. Yeah, I thought it, it was a good is. voice performance. Yeah, I know it's good singing voice. Um, but just you know. The writing around that character is it's something so vivo you know and i kind of mentioned this too my other frustration with this is like okay so the kinkajou starts rapping i'm like well fine the kinkajou's gonna rap but at least we have this pleasant nice animated little musical it's in cuba and cuba's fun i'm so glad we're gonna be in cuba for this movie and then the movie's like just kidding we're gonna spend most of our time in florida florida you have this wonderful location, this beautiful setting. Like imagine, Will, if in like Coco, Miguel is mm-hmm. like, well, I got to leave. I got to get out of here. I got to go <laughs> find, you know, my great, my grandfather, great, great grandfather. Yeah. And it's like, I got to get to Omaha, to- Nebraska. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he crosses the bridge and it's not the land of the dead. It's a Waffle House. Um it's just so distressing because this movie goes to Florida and like, look, nothing against Florida. Well, actually, I have a lot against Florida, I, I, but I can say that because my family lives in Florida and Florida is a big pain point for me as just a human being in 2021. But that said, I mean, of all the locations, it's just very strange to me to like to go from this really cool location with uh, they kind of start the movie off with really fun characters and a fun setup. And then it just sort of devolves into Vivo's owner, the the one who got away, is this famous singer voiced by Gloria Estefan, and her feral performances in Miami. And uh, Andre can't make it to the show, but he wants to deliver this song that he wrote for her. And Vivo's like, "Well, I, you know, I I don't I don't care at first, but then he's like, "Well, you know, reluctant hero, this is a Joseph Campbell thing, and so I'm gonna." deliver the letter for Andre out of my love for him. And I'm going to go all the way to Miami. And then he has to go on this journey with Gabby, Andre's niece. 
and they go on an adventure basically mostly through like the Everglades, which that was another weird thing in this movie is that there's not a lot of like locations. It's you're kind of in Key West for part of it and then you're in the Everglades and then you're in Miami and it's kind of just it's pretty simple. Um, there's high jinks, slapstick, environmental Girl Scouts and uh, kind of a fun python at one point. Other than that, there's not much to sing about with Vivo. I thought this movie was pretty, pretty lame. Um, but, it, you know, I, I don't want to sound like it's a bad movie necessarily. I actually think that it's pretty passable as a family film. There mm-hmm. are just some hangups I have with it that really keep me from talking about it enthusiastically. Sure. Uh, I mean, don't forget about the horny flamingos. I, I noticed you didn't mention spoon those bills, in your- actually. Sure. Sorry, fair yeah, enough. That's yeah. that's my bad. They come and go a little too fast. I kind of I kind of liked their whole. Uh, deal. I thought the, I thought they're very filler. Like it felt like we need to yes. pad this out for five or seven more minutes. What can we do? Let's get some hoarding birds in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because this is ninety nine minutes long, and I think nine of those minutes were devoted to these spoonbills. So yeah. maybe. But anyway, uh, what do you think of Vivo? Will I mean you've kind of already voice some of it but you know i i'm being kind of mean but there are things i liked about it do you like anything about this movie i mean i was with it for like i want to say the first 20 ish minutes like i was like man are we gonna have like two movies back to two musicals on this in this episode where i have to like passionately defend them uh yeah because like you said like the cuba moments are they're so vibrant full of life uh you know they're inspired it it, the animation i think throughout the movie looks very good and i like the like mix of like kind of like the cartoonish goofy look but there's also like some like hyper realistic like uh backgrounds and stuff like that and it, it yeah mends together pretty well it's um, similar never... to wish dragon but it's a little bit more textured and it feels a little bit more lived in when i yeah and you could tell that this was clearly supposed to be like a big theatrical release and it's kind of sad to see it like at home like wish dragon i don't know maybe that that might have one might have gotten theatrical release might have always been meant for netflix like this is like clearly this was meant to be like a big broad theatrical experience and it's kind of sad to see it thrown onto netflix sort of uh with little notice or care from netflix i'd say but yeah i mean i i think it's like a big balloon it just like after a point it just starts to deflate more and more as it goes along especially because like you said like you know, because like it's a little generic at the beginning, like an, an older mentor figure and his like pet sidekick stuff we've seen before. But the music's fun. There's like a, a good beat to it. It moves well. And it's like, all right, then we have to go to America. It's like, all right, that's kind of played out. But let's see where this goes. Now we have a quirky kid sidekick. It's like, oh, OK, well, we got this thing. Yeah, well, it's a road trip movie. And it's like, oh, of course, it's a road trip movie. Uh, and it's just like. It just feels like it's playing all the expected beats in a way that uh, it's just tiresome because it felt like there was potential at the beginning here, even given the misgivings of uh, the miscasting of the memo Rand. I don't think he necessarily gives a bad performance. It just feels like he really just wasn't right for the part and that they tried to make it work for him. It just doesn't quite click ultimately. But I was willing to even forgive that for like, you know, first 30 minutes or so. But then, yeah, just once it became so generic to the point where it just felt like a billion other movies, billion other family movies in this vein, it just it just kind of hard to care or really have an invested interest in it just because you can you just know instinctively where this is going to go and how it's going to play out. It just it just feels like you're kind of waiting for them to like hit the expected beats 
when they are supposed to be hit. Uh, and even like the odd interludes, like we said, like the horny birds and stuff just feel more random than like in entertaining or amusing. It's just kind of just like, okay, I guess we can do that. Sure. We can have a, uh, uh, Michael Roker snake at this, I guess. Why not? I mean, I guess the only like side character that really stood out to me were the, the girl scouts because they're, that's a kind of a funny idea, but it also felt like the movie didn't really know what to do with those characters for most of the film. So it wasn't like they were like hilariously funny. It's just more like, yeah, it's like kind of a funny idea, I guess. But one that felt uh, sort of half written by design. So it's it's not that this movie, like you said, is bad or anything. It just feels like it was more of a missed opportunity because it plays it so safe and expected in what it's trying to do to the point where it just doesn't have much of its own identity, even though it starts out strong. Yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. It's like it has the makings of something really special and lovely and great for kids. I still think that it's it, it's an easy one to recommend to kids. You know, I'd recommend it to my nieces. And I think they're going to watch this and probably be like, ah, oh, that's neat. And then kind of move on with their lives. I mean, that's kind of what I did. I watched it and I I remember it like, I, you know, it's not like the movie is like completely disappeared. But in terms of just the movie sticking with me or like having a real effect, it just kind of doesn't. And I think that it comes down to a lot of the music for me. I mean, I can't hum any of the songs. Um, I mean, beat of, beat of the drum thing, I, that one, yeah, that one's kind of designed to be like a catchy earworm. And so it does get that across, but the song itself, I hate like just the writing Awful of song. it. Yeah. And like, I think that the, the big, the big misfire with this movie is the right, like there are three main things. I've already touched on the first two, the setting and the voice acting for the Kinkachu, just all of that stuff. I think the other thing, and I guess, and also that loops in the rapping. I, I just think the rapping is ridiculous, but when they actually sing, I do like the music and I think the music is nice. It's, it's fine. You know, as long as it's, you know, not Lin-Manuel Miranda rapping. We don't need that. Any more of that. We got a lot of it especially this year, especially the last few years. And I think that we could use a break. And I still think that Lin-Manuel Miranda is, you know, a good songwriter. I think the music in Moana is probably some of my favorite stuff that he's done. Um, even, even compared to like to Hamilton, I think Hamilton's really good and everything, but yeah, I think that the music in Moana, I think, I don't know. There, there was something about it that I, was a little bit more, uh, I don't know special I, that music just really hit me in a different way i guess yeah that makes sense hamilton i, I, don't, I don't remember a lot of hamilton in terms of music i just think that it's more about the whole presentation but that's a whole other conversation yeah i mean i don't disagree i mean one thought that did cross my mind as i was watching this film is that like if i just had the sound off for the whole thing i think i would have liked it more <laughs> not because i dislike the music or anything but i just think the visuals are a lot more interesting and uh involving that like the 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 music of it is just fine, but it's like to be expected. It just like it feels like sea level tracks from the memoranda and it's like, you know, they're competent and he yeah, can whatever produce, you had like, in his drawer that was sure. like left over from other movies, you know, which is why I feel it's odd that this was like a decade spanning passion project of some sort for him. Like, I just don't really see like if he just like was so busy with other projects, they couldn't really commit to this or if he just never really had a fully fleshed idea, just like a baseline premise for what it should be, but well, he wasn't a producer, you know, yeah. we shouldn't, we shouldn't make it sound like, I, I know it, you're just, you're saying with yeah. the music especially, but I don't know. I I think that I wouldn't put all the blame on him necessarily. I'm I not, I'm not trying to, 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just like, uh, you know, I, I like Croods, but I think most of that movie's success is based on Chris Sanders. You know, he just like, you know, a great director worked on some of the, you know, the classic Disney movies. And I think he, you know, makes that movie work. And, you know, if, if the only other film we have to compare Kirk uh, D'Amico's filmography is Space Jim. So I think it just, he just probably makes like fairly generic, uh, weirdly chimp centric movies. Uh, <laughs> well, I think yeah. with Miranda too, if I had to get into like theory territory, I think so. He started working on the music for this, like right after Moana comes out and Hamilton is like still on Broadway and mm-hmm. he's still, I think, I think the dude is probably burned out. Honestly, that'd be my guess. Yeah. You know, like he made this like in the wake of Hamilton. And I think that the guy just, I think there might've been something to like just stuff that was hanging out in the drawer <laughs> because yeah. like I've listened to the full Moana soundtrack of like the unreleased tracks. And he made a lot of music for that movie that never saw the light of day. And mm-hmm. I just think the guy was like hustling uh, to the point where this movie maybe fell by the wayside a little bit to what you're saying. And uh, it's kind of coming out kind of late. So maybe part of the reason the music feels so outdated is because it's been so long in the making and, and I, I, sorry, I, what I, I meant to mention the third thing and I, I went on the tangent. Um, it's, it's the character of Gabby. I, I think that like she represents everything I can't stand about what Hollywood screenwriters think kids are like. Yeah. And I just, she's I got attitude. <laughs> Where it's like, in, it, this whole idea that like a kid is individualistic if their hair is purple, that's what her character comes down to. Nothing about her, her hair is quite purple. It's <laughs> hard to deny that. But like this movie wants you to believe that she's weird. She's off putting. She marches to the beat of her own drum or whatever. But like, where do you get she's that? not Lilo from Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that is a character where like they actually put effort into writing a kid. This movie is just like, I imagine the screenwriter has their own kid or niece or something. And it's like, she, she said this thing that was ridiculous. And then they write it down in like their screenplay and it's obviously exaggerated. And it's like their picture of childhood. And it just, uh, it rings so false to me. So I, yeah, I just, I see the pitch being, they see the character and the Sony execs are like sassier, sassier. Sassier. But wait, what are what are her hopes, her dreams? Sassier. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't have much else to say about Vivo. I I was a B minus on it after I first saw it because you know I was like, yeah, this is fine. This is really fine. Like, there's stuff in there. It, it, it's it's not like insultingly bad. I think I'm closer to a C plus with more time passed. To be honest with you, but where do you stand? Yeah, I mean, when it started out, I was like in pretty firm B territory. And I, I think that, I mean, one thing I didn't mention is I think the end sort of redeems the film a little bit. Like it plays out the expected emotional beats, but it does, you know, it's nice. It's warm. It's sweet. And I think it, um, it sort of redeems the film from like pushing C territory. But in the end, I think it's just ultimately a C plus, like you said, it just doesn't, just doesn't really feel unique to itself or have enough going for it to really justify it being more than like, a half-hearted shrug. It's just like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. But just thinking about like what it could have been or how much better it could have been if it was just a little different or it took more risk or it did something not that wasn't expected. I just felt like, yeah, I mean, you just kind of bummed out. It's just like, yeah, it just feels like this is 
the safest version of this film they could have made. And it's just frustrating for that reason. It's the anti-Annette in that <laughs> respect. There you go. Well, that is Vivo. It's on Netflix, 99 minutes. I, I It's an easy thing to sort of be like, look, if you watch the trailer, again, I didn't watch the trailer for this either. So if you do, and it seems like your bag, you might like it. I mean, I think that it's it, it, it doesn't ring as like falsely advertised to me. Um, I think you could probably get a good sense of what this thing is about. And it's on Netflix. And if you're listening, you probably have Netflix or know someone who does. And it's a low risk kind of thing. You don't have to go to the movie theater to check it out. And I don't think that it warrants a big screen release anyway, just based on its presentation. I mean, the visuals are nice, but at no point was I being like, man, I want to see that Vista blown up to epic proportions. Like that just didn't quite mm. ring out for me. Looks nice. I, I think it's a good, good looking yeah. movie. Good looking flick. I don't know that will because look, we, this is the third Sony film we talked about this year, right? And I already kind of mentioned, I was like a B minus on Wish Dragon. Mitchell's versus Machines, one of my favorite movies of the year. And I remember one thing you said about Mitchell's versus the Machines is that you were like, you, you didn't like it as much, right? It's but fine. like, yeah. I, it's stuff like this where I like, I see this movie and I'm even more confounded that you could look at Vivo and you could look at Mitchell's versus Machines and not be like, well, okay. Mitchell's versus Machines, clear difference in quality. Nah. <sighs> Dang. I don't know. I still think Mitchell's versus Machines is kind of annoying. But uh, I think it, I'll concede that it's a better film. Do you say so? I mean, I don't forget what your final grade was. I don't know if it was like a C plus or a B minus or I don't know. It was a B minus. I think it's a pretty okay. good film. Oh, you mean for this or for Mitchell's versus Machines? Mitchell's, yeah, yeah. Oh, Mitchell's, yeah, it's a B minus. Uh, Vivo's a C plus. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.